Hi everyone, welcome to our Tuesday night of trade week, the second last night, Hawks inside of Safe Space. My name is Ashley Brown, great to have you with us once again as we look at all things trade related through the only lens that really matters, that is the brown and gold one. Um, our guest joining us a little bit later, uh, or actually not too, not too late actually, in the next 10 or so minutes will be Peter Ryan who's been all over trade week for the age he'll be with us shortly to give us a bit of a uh, insider's insider's look at what's been taking place uh texted me today to say the hawks might be front and center of a few things tomorrow so it'll be good to see what he has to say about what the hawks are doing you know the drill if you've got a question observation uh make a request to speak we will get you on hopefully you're not the uh Oxygen Fifu came on last night. John F., we know who you are, and uh, we won't be uh, getting you on again anytime soon. We've got a question that you just want an observation just to text to us, send us a message. We will try and read that out over the next little while as well. But let me talk and welcome my co host. We've got nearly a full suite back tonight. Uh, Andrew Weiss, hello. Good evening, Ash. Good evening, everyone. Very, very exciting 24 hours coming up and yeah looking forward to hopefully boosting our ruck stocks and draft stocks Darren Levine hello Hi Ash um, thanks for joining us everyone good to be back and very happy I didn't have to deal with another intruder last night uh, No we had uh, said he was a person accused of being racist so we cut him off very quickly I don't think it's true uh, but we are that hello Brad Evening all Less than 24 hours to go. Exciting times. Uh, well, 23, actually. Uh, it'll be finished this time, at 7.30 tomorrow night. It all wraps up at Marvel Stadium. But really, there's only four hours to go, Brad, because or four and a half Correct. hours to go. Correct. Three till Nothing happens until three o'clock. It's been banned. Yes. Well, the AFL are very smart because they want us all to tune in for the last couple of hours, as we all will. So, yeah, no trades can get done between now and 3 p.m. tomorrow. Clubs are obviously talking, but we won't get any confirmation till the earliest, 3.01 p.m. tomorrow. So for those of you who are trying to shuffle trade week with more important things like, you know, work and family and everything else and health, uh, have a line. Uh, don't worry about Twitter or anything because not much ain't going to happen till about 3 o'clock when the final frenzy begins. I think it will be a bit of a frenzy. Daddy Prince, hello. Evening, Ash. Good to be here tonight. It's a little bit like Christmas Eve, I think, with a few uh, potential deals in the offing tomorrow. I'm, uh, I'm very excited. We are going to get to all of those. You are our uh, risk manager front and centre in a lot of ways, and you're going to work out how things are going to get done and what's going to get done. So the state of play today for Hawthorne was that um, Jack Gunson did go to Brisbane for, what was it, Danny? A future fourth and a pick 48 or something. Is that right? Yeah, so 48 and um, next year's fourth round pick. So um, I think overall the Lions saves around 200 um, points in the draft system uh, by keeping that pick 35 from Dan Mc, for Dan McStay. And um, we still get something for Gunson instead of the compensation being ruled out by Amon coming in. So I think that's a win-win. We get a little bit for next year, which uh, the future fourth round pick can be used as points towards uh, Luke McCabe's son, Will. Uh, and, yeah, we get uh, another pick in the late 40s this year, which will come down after father-son and NGA bids. So, um, yeah, we, we look at another 
helpful little addition to our pick stock. Yes. Um, Andrew, how did you feel seeing the Brisbane Lions put up the picture of Gunners in the maroon and blue and gold? Yeah, even the video that the social media team posted uh, was a little bit cringe, but... Uh, I think we've had enough time to get our heads around the idea. And as Prinzi said, you look at what we got offered, offered and especially those points for McCabe are critical. We knew we'd get that, that 40s pick. So uh, we move on and, and look to some of the other trades we're going to gonna be looking at over the next little uh, little period. So as it stands, the Hawks now, I'm scrolling through the AFL websites. Uh, most excellent. This is something you should have on your computer screens at all time, the indicative draft order. So right now, the Hawks are sitting on pick six. They're sitting on pick 24. They are sitting on pick uh, 48 and 52. Uh, that's what they've got at the moment. And then um, 65, which I suspect probably won't get used. Um Danny, what happens tomorrow? What uh, what do you think is going to happen with the Hawks? What sort of deals can they do? You've been floating around a couple of on our WhatsApp. Perhaps just float some ideas of what might happen. Uh, I mean, we'll go scenario first, right? I think best case scenario tomorrow is probably, and look, best case scenario being a realistic best case, is probably um, that the Omira deal goes through. We pay pretty much all of his salary and GWS pony up with probably pick 18. Now, GWS have 15, 18, and 19. I have a feeling they'd be more inclined to keep 19 and give us 18 because pick 19 has that um, a bit of aura to it because it's the first pick on the second night of the draft, first pick of the second round, and clubs often come for that pick after a night of sitting there thinking who they missed out on in in the first round. So... um, for instance, uh, whatever club has that, Essendon's got uh, a pick, I think, early 20s, and they've got uh, Alwyn Davey Jr., who will be bid on in and around that time. So they may try and trade up in ahead of that bid, in ahead of their pick, and um, and get somebody there. So I think GWS will be keen to hold on to pick 19. I think that they'll uh, ideally prefer to trade pick 18, the last pick on the first night. So that's the first realistic one. I think the second one is Tom Mitchell for pick 27. I have a feeling, this is just a gut feeling, that that one's pretty much going to happen. Um, I think if you listen to Graham Wright today on Trade Radio, and I don't listen to Trade Radio, I try to make it a habit not to, but uh, I tuned in for that one and it was it, it, it was really similar to how he talked um, before we did make trades that he said we probably wouldn't make. So um, I would have, I would be surprised if the Tom Mitchell one doesn't go through, and I think that'll be for pick twenty-seven, the pick that they got in for Brody Grundy leaving, um, and there'll be a portion of the salary paid there too, and then it'll be what do we give up for Lloyd Meek? Um, the same information's been out all week is that um, Meek wants to come to Hawthorne, Frio want a future second. Our future second next year looks like it'll be around early twenties. We absolutely cannot give that up. Under no circumstances should we be giving that up. Um, in a strong draft, we absolutely need to hold on to that. Um, I'm a little bit to even give up a future third because that'll be in the late 30s, but um, a future third's far more palatable. Um, that's apparently what we want to give. So that's far more palatable 
uh, than giving up a future second. So I think that's a bit of a wrap on what we should be looking to try to do tomorrow. Well, it's uh, it's going to be a busy day, I think, Mark McKenzie, and uh, I think with Sam Mitchell to the side pulling some strings, uh, they will make things happen. Pete Ryan has joined us. Just, uh, Pete, if you can uh, request a speak or click on the speaker icon, something like that, we'll get you on ASAP. In the meantime, some organism. Hello. Good evening, guys. How are you going? We're good. Um, just uh, one thing. I just uh, was listening. Obviously, we're talking about uh, Jager, and uh, I think everyone got on board with the Giants and what they had to offer last last night. But it seems that uh, he may be actually headed to Frio because they put quite an offer to him and the opportunity for him to actually go home um, and finish his career in Perth rather than play his career and then land in Perth after that um, is something that he's weighing up. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a whisper around that he's not actually going to go to the Giants at all. So that is very interesting because they don't have a great deal to offer us in the uh, draft capital space. Well, Dan, Danny, you floated a great three-way deal that uh, if, if you did choose to go to Frio. Oh, I mean, that's a, that was a very Hawthorne-centric three-way deal, but I would that that's if uh, Frio are looking to move on uh, Rory Lobb, then potentially we could get involved in the Lobb deal and somehow get, um, you know, include our pick 24 and, and end up with pick 11, uh, which Frio currently have. So it'd be something like O'Meara and 24 go to uh, Frio, Lob goes to the Bulldogs and 11 comes to the Hawks. Somehow so, works out something like that. So, um, yeah, I, I'd be surprised. Look, I, I know that there, and Pete, Pete will be able to speak to this uh, when, he, when he comes on because he wrote an article about it um, this evening. Uh, but it, from what they said, he hasn't made up his mind yet, Jager. Uh, obviously, you, you got, your head's going to be turned a little bit about, you know, going home. And his fiance lives in Perth, so um, Frio's attractive there. Um, at the end of the day, this all came about because GWS approached the Hawks. And I think as much as the Hawks um, have a duty to Jager, they have a duty to the club first and foremost. So, um you know, I'd be if I was them, I'd be encouraging him go play with your mate um, Steve Canelio, um, and uh, we'll uh, you know you can always retire back in back in Perth. Well, that's right. You've got very strong ties to WA, so um, he will he'll absolutely end up there uh, back there post football. Um, but we'll we'll wait and see what that does. Uh, Brad, are you excited by the prospect that Hawthorne might have two first round picks come this time tomorrow? Absolutely. Early picks for us over the next two years are absolutely critical. We cannot go into this draft with only 6, 24 and 48. So GWS is the key, as Princey said. We need to get our hands on either pick 18 or 19. That is an absolute must. Uh, obviously, Tom, Tom will end up at Collingwood. That's going to happen. Uh, Jager is the interesting one. But yeah, the Jager deal now becomes absolutely crucial. We should get 27 for Tom. So if we can go in with, say, 6, 18 or 19, 24 and 27, that's really, really good. So that's the difference between us having a brilliant, you know, uh, off-season and a poor off-season. Carl at Amon's a great pick, but the draft picks for us at the moment are absolutely crucial. So, yeah, just whatever Mark McKenzie and Sam have to do to get the deals done, they just have to do it. So fingers crossed they go.
So, Danny, uh, you put the point that you'd rather have a bit of uh, quantity rather than quality. Question for Darren and Andrew. Would you rather uh, Hawthorne go uh, have get rid of one of two of those five picks inside 26, 27 and get three, or would you rather have the, the even spread from six through to whatever it is? I think the reality is uh, they're just going to have a look and identify it, who they're going to potentially get at six, which becomes seven. And we've got a pretty good idea. I mean, there's been a bit of talk um, in the last 24 hours about Sheasel and North Melbourne. Um, so the reality is if, if the Hawks have someone in their sights that they desperately want, um, and we're talking about an, an absolute A-grade talent, in those first few picks, then um, wouldn't necessarily discount it. Uh, I probably lean more towards sort of Prinzi's general way of thinking, which is in the top 25 players, there are going to be that many talented players. And if you've got uh, three or four picks within that top 25, you're going to, you're going to come out the other side pretty well. So I'd be looking to get those picks in and keep them personally. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Daz, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, you just look at how well we did last year with, with sort of late with late picks and, you know, Sammy Butler and McDonald coming along. So I think there is always gold for us um, towards the back end of the draft. So as many picks, I think, is, is my philosophy. Stalking, good evening. Yeah, good day, guys. Uh, just curious... Um... With the relative values of O'Meara and Mitchell, how it seems pretty common and standard almost that everyone's valuing Mitchell as a lesser pick than O'Meara or worth a lesser pick than O'Meara at the moment, which to my mind seems to be the first time that's occurred since their first year at the club. What are your thoughts on that? Danny? Uh, well, I'll answer that one pretty quickly. That, the only reason that um, O'Meara is being valued higher than Tom Mitchell is because there's an expectation that with the O'Meara deal um, that Hawthorne would pay pretty much every cent of his salary for next season. So obviously that becomes more appealing to uh, GWS and in turn they give back something a little bit higher than um, what Collingwood would for Tom Mitchell. But isn't it also like market demand as well? So you've got two clubs after... Amira, and then it seems like Collingwood's the only one that's after Mitchell. Uh, that might play into a, a little bit, but I think um, if you're paying a full salary for a whole year of, of, a, of a player who's on what Omira's on, uh, you, you'd, you'd almost um, guaranteed to be asking for a first-round pick in return for doing something like that. Um, so, you know, I think while the, the competition or... or or market demand, as you refer to, does probably plays into it a little bit in terms of strengthening our position in that space. Um, I think even if it was just GWS that came to us and said, we want Jager, I think we'd be asking for that pick regardless. Yeah, okay. Given that, is there? why would we not just pay all of Mitchell's contract at Collingwood? Because they seem to be in a similar position in terms of needing cut space. Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I... I I mean, I, I don't. I'm not involved in obviously the internal conversation, so it's hard to, it's hard to know. Um, it, 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 yeah. Look, I think the Mitchell situation. I don't know if they'd have a pick where they'd be that they'd be willing to give up um, 
lower or higher, depending on how you look at it, um, in closer to the teens than 27. So, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting it's a good question, stalking, and um, I, I can't give you an answer on that one. <laughs> but we should pay we should pay the wages of multiple players ne- next year to go play for other clubs and bring in as many high end picks as we can. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's brilliant. So, no, love your work, guys. Keep it up. Thank you. Collingwood's got pick sixteen as their first pick, um, and then they've got uh, uh, twenty seven, which is the critical one that. Uh, they received from Melbourne for Brody Grundy uh, that Hawthorne is coveting in exchange for uh, for Mitchell. Kind of the same saying they don't want to give it up. They want a third round pick, but that's not going to happen. I think I, the, the language would suggest that uh, it will go through tomorrow for uh, pick twenty seven. Um, we Pete's still trying to get on. We're going to treat, we have a couple of t- difficulties at uh, both ends, and we're going to keep working um, to get him on. Uh, Darren, as our media specialist here, I want to talk to you about the media coverage a little bit that probably a lot of people here have found frustrating in that um, do you think Hawthorne, last year Hawthorne were being urged to get rid of as many experienced players as possible and uh, were then panned for not doing so. Now they're actually taking steps to do that, you know, with uh, Gunson gone and Mitchell Amira may well following tomorrow. And now the media narrative, of course, is are the Hawks cutting too deeply? How are you as a seasoned professional uh, finding all that? Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating to hear that and they're kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't. Um, I think the the facts, rem- facts remain that, um, you know, we've got to regenerate our list. We've got to bottom out at some point. There's enough senior players in this in this team and, and seniority and leadership is not really always about age. So um, if you look at our list, I think there's an emerging young group of leaders. Um, next year might be kind of tricky and it, it's not going to be easy at times, but I think there's there's not going to be a leadership vacuum. I think there's maybe a, a bit of a seniority vacuum in terms of age, but um, I'm fully confident in, in the players that we have in their, in their, in their experience to, to kind of take us to the next level. And I think it is a pretty lazy narrative when you think about it. Brad, you uh, your your close your close friends with all the trade radio people. Are they getting are the Hawks in the short shift? Uh yes, a little bit. Um, Don't stick up your mates here, Brad. Just uh, where your Hawthorne beanie. Yeah, I think Damo. I think Damo might have made a couple of comments today which weren't great. Um, I think they're under the impression that we should roll over and take you know the pick forty one. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, I reckon the coverage we've received has actually been quite poor. But it's also, you know, the Kane Corns factors sort of snuck in. I think he was on his high horse. You know, we've heard him whinge and complain how he can't believe clubs give their players seven-year deals. Port Adelaide's give a 19-year-old Jason Horn francis a six-year deal, and he says it's a brilliant deal. So um, I know in previous years, you know, when Hawthorne got Tom Scully for a future third-round pick, it was said how um, we fleeced everyone and it was the you know the best trade of all time and then the Omira deal was the worst trade of all time I, I i i do think we do cop a bit of a rough deal from uh, the media but i reckon sam is going to change things very quickly i reckon he's doing a brilliant job and i've said it numerous times it's going to be a couple of years of pain 
but I reckon the reward's going to be there in the end, hopefully come 2025 and beyond. Uh, I love games. Have you got a question or a comment? I'd like to comment, if that's okay, Um, and probably a question as well. Uh, I couldn't agree more with what the last person was saying. Sorry, I missed your name. Um, But I don't think it's the end of the world at the moment. I think we're doing quite well. Um, We're going to have to bottom out. We have done quite well in the past, and we've been very lucky to have supported the Hawthorne Football Club for all this time. Um, Even if this trade period ends as it does, I think we'll do fairly well. Um, we'll need to rebuild. Uh, they, yet those young players coming together uh, will be a good thing, I think. What do you think? Well, I, th- I think the group is... Not, they certainly... I think there's a lot of optimism within the group that they can uh, improve very quickly. I mean, the talk at the uh, Peter Coombs medal from the coach and a few other speakers was no speed limit, so... Um, I think not having these players, they're going to lose. If, if Mitchell and Omira join the Exodus tomorrow, they'll have lost 1,034 games of senior experience in one off-season, which is a fair bit to overcome. And you know, I think we'll do a conversation, save the conversation for a, a spaces down the track um, about which of these, which, you know, we could rank which player will miss the most out of the five. And to me, I think it would be Gunson would be would be top of that list. I think you know the two goals a game thereabouts that he contributes is. It's not necessarily going to be easy to replace, but I think you know I think everybody at the club is is lockstep behind the coach and the and the list management team in what they're trying to do. And I think the performance of the team this year, when they were roundly thought to be by myself included to be perhaps the wooden spooners, surprised everyone. Um, so it could turn around quickly, but I think the most important thing we've said this a few times is everybody at Hawthorne for the first time uh, is totally united behind what they need to do, and there's no and what's become clear with some stuff that's been said is that there was clear division in the club between the, the direction they needed to go uh, with Alistair Clarkson pulling the club in one direction and um, the, a direction that not everyone thought Hawthorne should be going. But that's not the case now. I think everybody is totally united in what they're trying to do. Darren, have I nailed that? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's funny today, I was actually looking up um, the age of our playing list for 2008 when we won the flag and we were an average of 50 games and an average age of 22. Um, our list now is an average of 57 games and an average of 24. So it's just interesting to see, you know, how, how much you can actually achieve with a really young list um, and I fully back the vision of Sam Mitchell and I think I think – we're, we're on the right path. All right. Finally, we have Peter Ryan with us uh, from The Age. Great mate of mine. Uh, absolute star reporter at this time of year. Not sure where he is. He might be somewhere between uh, Melbourne and Geelong on the train. Not quite sure where he is. It's too dark for him to paint the picture. But, Pete, good evening and welcome to uh, Hawks Insiders. Pete, switch your mic on. <laughs> Got... Sorry, I've got Pete. you there. Have I got... Can you hear yes. me now? Finally. Here Sorry about that. I'm, uh, I'm a little bit like um, Sydney in the grand final. I just didn't turn up, really. Um, I'm somewhere between Lara and Geelong and been listening intently and struggling with technology. But I think 
it's interesting listening into Hawks supporters about uh, their optimism um, for the future. I think it, it, you're entitled to be optimistic, but uh, I reckon the next couple of years are going to be very difficult years. Um, more exciting watching some of the young talent come through, but uh, in terms of the wins and losses, probably um, uh, remaining down near the bottom of the ladder, at least for next year, particularly when O'Meara and Mitchell depart as expected um, tomorrow. Let's talk about those two deals quickly. What gets done for uh, what gets done for Mitchell? Is it pick 27 or is it uh, will it be something in between that and the 41 that Collingwood wants to cough up? Well, Collingwood's only interested in coughing up the 41. I think they'll eventually relent and, and give pick 27. There'll be some negotiation about the amount of money that um, uh, Hawthorne have to pay, which they're prepared to pay quite a sizable portion of um, Tom Mitchell's salary um, to make that uh, facilitate that trade. So I'd expect pick 27. And really, if you think about it, that's why Hawthorne, there's a couple of reasons Hawthorne are keen to move Mitchell on. One is the position that he fills has been taken over by John Newcomb. But, um, and really, why do you want Mitchell playing anywhere else but as a ball hunter? And they've also got a young developing midfield around Warpool. And they need pick 27 um, to make it worthwhile, however, because uh, pick 41 is not going to get you in this particular draft a particularly high-quality player. All right. And uh, Jake uh, O'Meara now has a choice of... Uh, reportedly has a choice between three teams, being Hawthorne, uh, Fremantle mm. and GWS. What way uh, are you leading and what are you hearing? Well, he's going to sleep on it overnight and come up with an answer tomorrow of which club he'd prefer to be at. Um, when you've got a choice of two clubs, um, Fremantle and Greater Western Sydney, you'd think that he's a Monty to leave. My leaning at the moment would be towards Fremantle because uh, part of the plan that Jager's had in place really is at the end of his contract, which is due to end at the end of next year, would um, uh, see him uh, go back home to WA with his partner. So I'd imagine just to do that move a year earlier... Um, a little bit dependent on what Fremantle might receive for Rory Lobb, and then they'll be able to package up some um, picks to actually make uh, Jay Gromira a docker. And they've also got Lloyd Meek, which is the other component, who's really keen to get to the Hawks, who could get tied up in that deal and, and see um, the value of that, that transaction, I suppose, um, help the Hawks by getting Lloyd Meek, getting a pick, and also Omira salary off the books. Right, so I think we'd be excited about GWS maybe because that might have the better draft pick attached to it for Hawthorne if they're paying a big chunk of O'Meara or possibly all of O'Meara's salary, but, you, but you're leaning towards the homecoming. I'm leaning towards the homecoming. I mean, you're right in the sense that um, there's part of Hawthorne and part of probably his management group that would think, oh, GWS would be the easy answer because it would definitely make it happen. But from Jager's point of view, he has to weigh up his future and um, obviously, Fremantle's a more attractive option just from the on the basis that he'll be um, going to to home and where he sees his future. We've asked a question of a couple of people, Pete, um, and is Hawthorne's reputation amongst play other, other players and the player managers in the football industry? Hawthorne twenty twenty two taking the battering as a result of the the, the 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 racism issue, or are people able to differentiate? 
what happened in the past with the Hawthorne or the president players. No, I think, sorry, I've got to speak. I think I think the latter. I think people are able to differentiate. I don't think it's playing any um, significant role in terms of um, player movement or its attractiveness as a football club. Um, I also don't think it's playing any role in terms of the departures of Gunston and, and potentially Mitchell and O'Meara. Hawthorne's still an attractive footy club. And Sam Mitchell, of all the people that, um, you know, uh, in, in relation to all those issues, has um, certainly shown himself to be a real... Um, he's really on the money and, and really at the, at the edge of what needs to be happening in that space. So I think people would go confidently knowing that the environment that's set up there at the moment and who knows what the environment was like in the past but that remains to be seen as part of this investigation but certainly um, the environment he's sitting up there is is really positive and really good particularly for young players and for any player really um, we've seen success in building relationships with the players and also success in developing those players so the, sh- the long that was the long answer but the short answer is it's playing no role Okay, and um, do you think Hawthorne, and the other question Hawthorne sports are grappling with is should they try and package up what they've got to move into the top three or four? Uh, is, is that a chance of happening? Is that something they should try and do? They definitely should try to do it. I'm not sure they'll have a um, particular take as to make that happen. I mean, North Melbourne aren't, aren't uh, averse to getting rid of their pick three, but they'll have a high price for that. Um, but ideally, that would be fantastic for the Hawks if they can get a player in the top three um, and have have one of the best midfielders of Wardlaw or so on to come into that group. Sorry about the background noise. Um, that would be fantastic. I get the feeling of... <laughs> it's funny, I'm speaking, I feel like I'm standing up in the middle of the cheer, Hawthorne cheer squad with a, um, you know, Essendon jumper on or something and <laughs> when I'm speaking about these issues. But... Um, I I heard you talking about the media coverage of the Hawks. I'd be surprised if people see um, Hawthorne as being a club that's not um, been pretty productive in this particular trade period. I remember last year they came out with Richard Vandenberg's big statement and was seen to be, um, you know, poorly executed trade period because they didn't get a lot uh, happening. But you know Sam better than I do, Ash, and he was just trying to stir the hornet's nest a little bit. They've learned from that experience and they've been much quieter and more strategic and more, um, uh, I suppose, considered in the way that they run their trade period um, this year. Mitchell was always a chance to go to Collingwood once the Grundy deal happened. And they're open to the O'Meara idea, as they should be. Um, And they've also got Lloyd Mead coming in. I mean, I think they've managed it really well in terms of setting up their future. Yeah, well, the problem is this 24-7 metre cycle that uh, the beast needs to be fed, Pete, as you well know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Peter, thanks for joining us, and you're a pretty brave man for coming into the space and hosing down all of our blind <laughs> optimism. <laughs> um, but h- how far off do you think, you know, if we do move on um, Tom Mitchell and O'Meara, how, how far off do you think we actually are from competing? Is it, is it a couple of years of of pain or is it a, a, a more significant period? Uh, I'd say next year is a year of pain, probably a couple, although it's not painful, I think, when you're barracking for a team, when you can see um, young, good players emerging because you, your list, as you've identified, is so young with Luke Bruce, I think, is the only player from that 2015 premiership that 
um, still remains at the club next year. Um, and when you get guys like CJ, James Sicily, Dylan Moore's emerging as a good player. We've seen the talent of Josh Ward. I mean, the only player you've really brought in um, that doesn't look like he's necessarily flourishing at this stage and he still could be a good player is Denver Grager Barras. Um, so if you get another couple of high-end draft picks this year, it just gives you a really good base of talent to, to um, examine and enjoy. It just means you, your wins and losses aren't necessarily, you know, on the ledger that you want, but you're certainly going to have enough um, talent and the way Sam Mitchell coaches. He coaches um, with an exciting sort of, he likes the players to play with a bit of flair. Um, I reckon it'd be two years away before you're starting to compete in the lower reaches of the eight, and then you're developing a system that, you know, could could be anything. Well, that's music to Brad's ears because Brad's also very big on the uh, our co-host Brad. He thinks it's 2024 or 25 before Hawthorne can play finals. So a couple of think that could possibly challenge at the end uh, in 2024. Pete, yeah. um... <laughs> <laughs> well, we all hope they can challenge in 2024. But I mean, you don't you don't start the year. Um, lacking optimism, but you just know that next year is going to be um, a rebuild. Yeah, I think next year. I think everyone is. Uh, everyone understands that next year is going to be a pretty uh, yeah. uh, tough year, and they're just getting games. They just want to get another twenty games or so yeah. into each of their sort of emerging stars, and that gets them one season closer to being ready to contend for the finals. Uh, we will let you go because it's been a long day for you, and you're almost home. We asked this question. Who'd be most, and this is a non-Hawthorne question, who should be nervous of the three or four big names who have yet to find new homes? Who will be the most nervous tonight? Uh, well, Ollie Henry, without doubt, is the most nervous. Um, Collingwood are genuinely, look, they might fold over and, and take pick 25, and if Asava Radagalia goes to Port Adelaide and they get pick 33, they might accept 25 and 33, but they don't want to lose him. And they're still confident they can re-sign him for another year and, and try to convince him. Um, I don't think they will. I think he'll go into the pre-season draft. But Collingwood, from all the conversations, and I know they have to bluff a little bit that I've had this week, are just not going to accept pick 25 for Ollie Henry. Um, and they're also a bit grumpy that Geelong's got another player after just two years and they're competing for a premiership with them. So... That'd be the player that would go to bed, put his head on the pillow tonight and think, I've got no idea where I'm going to end up at the end of tomorrow night. Pete, if he does go into the pre-season draft, I mean, there'll be plenty of clubs that are going to be afford, be able to afford whatever mm. contract Geelong are trying to get him to put in front or put yeah. on his head. Yeah. Um, it will literally then become a lottery, right, for which club he ends up going to. If he doesn't, um, you know, put his head down and decide to re-sign with Collingwood, absolutely. I mean, the first pick North Melbourne would consider him. Um, Hawthorne might consider him. We've spoken to several list managers who said, yeah, we'd take a good look at him. The only problem then is do you want another player who's um, you're using your pre-season draft pick and bringing onto your list who doesn't necessarily want to be at the end, there at the end of that next year? So they're the factors that they're going to have to weigh up. But it wouldn't be a nice position for Ollie Henley, Henry to be in as a 20-year-old trying to um, uh, ward off all these clubs that are interested in in this desperation to get to Geelong. I wouldn't like to be in that position. Last question, Pete, before we let you go. The uh, Jack Bowes deal. Is it kosher? Does it pass a stiff test? Is, does something need to change? Or is that just smart business by Geelong and incredibly poor management by Gold Coast? 
Well, it was poor management by Gold Coast a few years back, um, pushing back Jack Bowes. But they, I assume they um, thought he would be a you know ready-made senior player who was knocking the door down in their midfield at this particular stage of his career. Instead, he found himself out of the team. So it would have been bad business for them to have him running around in the twos for the next two years with $800,000 income going his way. It's good business by Geelong. They get pick seven. And as I said to someone at Geelong, that future third round um, must be a damn good player because he's in exchange for Bose and uh, pick seven. But um, look, I don't like it is, is the bottom line. When it goes to a club that's the reigning premiers, I think we would have all been much more comfortable if Jack Bowes and Pick 7 went to Hawthorne or Essendon or one of the clubs that are actually out of the finals um, because it just, that's what equalisation requires. Whereas if you're going to Geelong, that's a that's an anti-equalisation process as far as I see. Well, what may well happen as a result, Pete, you can write this, is that you're going to have Hawthorne supporters praying that Essendon doesn't pick Hawthorne uh, Hawthorne tragic Harry Sheasel with the pick before the Hawks. Yeah. And then you've got everyone in Geelong saying Hawthorne doesn't take Guy Clark. Yeah, exactly right. Well, the pick before if, Geelong, which is, if, I reckon, is a huge chance of happening just quietly. No, it is a huge chance. And the funny thing about Guy Clark is that he's a mad Collingwood supporter. And comes from, right. Yeah, it comes, even though he lives down in Geelong, he's part of. Um, uh, what I'm a part of as well, which is the anti-Geelong People's Front that live down here and, uh, you know, basically try to keep them at bay. Um, yeah, so, yeah, look, it'll be interesting. I'd like to see Cheezel get to Hawthorne. That'd be a great story, given his love for the Hawks. It would be a fantastic story. I think uh, if he goes to Gold Coast, which could also have the absolute flight risk, I think, to come back to Victoria and to the Hawks in a couple of years, I think it's got that sort of smacks of that happening eventually if he, if he gets to a, a non-Victorian club. Pete, we'll let you go. Great to talk to you. Uh, yeah. You've been champions. As always, I look forward to seeing it marvellous Well, you know, I've still got a soft spot for the Hawks, uh, Ash, given my family background, but oh, yeah. uh, it's been nice to talk to you, and I'm really sorry that I was hopeless on the um, technology and on the train, but it's one of those parts of the year. Uh, you've done it beautifully. We appreciate your time, mate. I'll see you at Marvel tomorrow night. Thanks, Ash. Thanks, everyone. Okay. Thanks, Pete. That is Pete Ryan from The Age, uh, former colleague of mine at AFL Media and a gun reporter now for The Age, and he's been all over the trade period um, for the last few days. Um, if we don't have any more questions, this is the last call for questions. We might, uh, we might just about wrap it up there and uh, all go, as it is, as we like to say, it is the night before Christmas, get an early night and Freshen up for the frenzy that will be coming after three o'clock tomorrow. Brad, before we go, any observations? Anything else we should be looking forward to tomorrow? Uh, no, there's usually one or two ones that we don't uh, know about that get done. I heard Pickers, um, who's a good uh, mate of mine on radio on Saturday, mentioned that him and his uh, business partner, James Pitcher, were working on one behind uh, the scenes, a player who we don't know about or someone that hasn't been spoken about. So I think there'll be a couple of watch the spaces tomorrow. But obviously for us, Jaeger and um, Tom are the two uh, ones that we have to get done. And hopefully we go into the draft, as I said before, with at least picks 6, 18 or 19, uh, 24 and 27 would be great. So fingers crossed they go through. And we can start preparing uh, and look forward to the draft. 
and you won't have to call Jaeger Jaeger ever again if he goes to uh, if he goes if he leaves the club tomorrow, Brad. Jaeger. What are you looking forward to tomorrow? Uh, well, if we're going on a on a bit of a um, comical note, uh, like like Brad not having to call him Jaeger anymore, I'm looking forward to not having to defend uh, Jags in our um, post match review pods uh, when Weezy goes hammer and tong on him. So that's 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 one thing I'm looking forward to. I think look, the biggest thing I'm looking forward to tomorrow, and there's a tinge of nervousness. I mean, at the end of the day, we will do what we do and we'll make the best of it and. Um, you know, if if I give Mark McKenzie his dues for one thing, I think he's a very good talent evaluator. So with whatever picks he takes to the draft, I think he'll do a good job in um, selecting good talent. Uh, my concern, I'm just a bit nervous that, um, that we're the club that folds in a couple of these deals and we, you know, don't hold out for the best possible deals. So, um, you know, the, the thing I'm looking forward to the most coming out of tomorrow and it's uh, it's wishful thinking and I'm, I'm sort of speaking it into existence is that we come out of tomorrow with um, having done a deal with GWS for um, for Jager um, uh, for, for that pick in the teens and then having done a deal with Collingwood for Tom with the pick 27. If Meek comes, fantastic. Hopefully it's for a future third um, or one of those picks in the 40s um, and if Meek doesn't come, that's okay too as long as we don't give up too much for him. And um, Darren, what's going to happen tomorrow? Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm excited for the Sammy Mitchell era to officially begin. I think just kind of regenerating the list um, and getting in as many picks as possible um, and moving on some of the, the trades that I, I guess, you know, gave us a bit of joy, but ultimately didn't really work out and had Clarko's fingers, fingerprints all over it. So... Very much looking forward to this new era. All right, and Weezy. Uh, well, what I like uh, is obviously I'm looking forward to getting a good draft pick for, for Jager, as Trinity alluded to. No, what I like is we've literally spent the last 12 months saying that we missed the boat. We missed the boat on getting a pick for Gunston. We missed the boat on Wingard. We missed the boat on getting something for Bruce. We missed the boat on Jager and we missed the boat on Mitchell. And it's easy to forget that we were literally talking about this all throughout the year last year. And and given where we're at as a list, it's exciting to think that, okay, people will be upset, but in terms of Jager and Titch, we haven't and we can actually get something decent for them. And as you wrote in the cracking article today, Ash, um, it will literally signal the full regeneration of the Clarko to Mitchell and it's full steam ahead with the, with the total redevelopment of the list and um, the, yeah, all, all about Sammy's plan. So that's what's most exciting about tomorrow for me. Yeah, as of tomorrow night, there'll be Sam Mitchell's playing list um, pretty much everyone who will be on the list is a player he wants on the list. Um, anyone who he wanted to move on or chose not to leave, they've all been dealt with. So really, it's his to play with. I think that what will lead to the enthusiasm he'll have. I mean, I, I think Amir, I wrote today, I think Amir has been a terrific servant for the footy club and he was great in what he did, whatever was asked by the coach this year. I singled out the Geelong game where he pretty much shut down Tom Stewart 
as a negating forward pocket in that Easter Monday game to help Hawthorne get the win. He's been a great servant of the footy club. Probably never, we never got to see him at his best. Um, but this is top, as of 7.30 tomorrow night, this is Sam Mitchell's playing list to, for him to shape and mould uh, in the in the matter he, he sees fit. And that'll be the exciting part of 2023, more so than the wins and losses, I suspect. It'll, it might tell a fairly bleak tale on the ladder, but it's really it's Sam's to run with now. And that, that will be the exciting part, I think. Um, so we'll be on tomorrow night. It'll be our last one for the week, but it's a big one post-trade. We will wrap everything up. Oh, actually, we'll be at Marvel Stadium for the coverage for SEN Digital and a couple of bits and pieces. Um, so I won't be hosting. I'll make an appearance at some stage, but one of you legends will be uh, in the host chair uh, tomorrow evening. But we will have a comprehensive look at everything from a trade point of view. And then after that, it gets to be fun. We can start doing best 22s and all that sort of thing in the next few weeks after that, which is... Uh, the fun part of being a footy fan. So we'll tackle that and also start previewing the draft as well. And uh, I think we've a good chance, if not to get Harry Sheasel on the uh, space, we've got a good chance to get his, his old man, I think, to uh, have a chat to us in the lead up to the uh, draft. And, and Cal Toomey, absolutely, will uh, the guru Cal Toomey will obviously join us again for a regular Thursday night space between now and the draft. So... Rest up, everybody. Look forward to an exciting day after 3 o'clock tomorrow. We'll have it all covered both in the Substack on Hawks Insiders and, of course, with the spaces tomorrow night. Uh, enjoy the rest of the night. Thanks to those of you who uh, sent a question. Thanks again to Pete Ryan and uh, enjoy the rest of the evening. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on Hawks Insiders Safe Space.